This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 29, and this episode features Christina Saju. Christina Saju is a Broadway actress who has starred in the Tupac musical Holler If You Hear Me, uh, American Idiot, which was the Green Day musical. She's also starred in Broadway, uh, the Broadway production of Spider-Man the musical. I think it was called Lights Out. Um, and we weren't able to talk about it at the time of this recording, but she is joining the Broadway cast of SpongeBob SquarePants in the role of Sandy Cheeks, a role that she helped to originate during the workshop of, of this show that is now on Broadway. Um, she also appeared recently in the televised production of Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, starring John Legend as Jesus, um, in a role that I would love to play one day. Um, anyway, um, I've known Christina for about 10 years. We worked together on the spirit of New York as singing servers and bartenders, um, we were also on that ship with uh, Rachel Bloom and a number of other people who are now doing things in various facets of entertainment. Um, it was great catching up with her. She had a lot of uh, insight on personal health and how taking care of yourself um, will help you be successful at whatever endeavor you choose. She also had a lot of insight into acting and theater and the arts. Um, I had a great time catching up with her. It's been a long time but I still consider her a great friend and it was really good to see her and I'm really proud of her. So without further ado, this is Christina Saju. Let's have a conversation. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, get it rolling. Let's do it. Christina Saju, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. I think the last time I saw you was the Hudson River. Yeah. Spirit <laughs> of New York. Yes. Um, so you've been busy since then. Um, I think probably within a year of that, uh, you did American Idiot, if I'm not mistaken. I did. Absolutely. And that was a really great experience because I do believe during Spirit Cruises, I was in the process of being part of the workshop production. And at the time it actually was untitled. It was actually called the Untitled Punk Rock Musical. And it was nice to see over time with a lot of development and knowing that Green Day was behind the project 100% that we were able to title it American Idiot. And then I would say maybe within, after two workshops, we went to Berkeley Rep. And then less than a year later, we went to Broadway. Nice. Yes, it was awesome. <laughs> Congrats on that. Thank you. Um, and then you've done a lot of different things. I've seen you pop yes. up places. Um <laughs> I think we've been Facebook friends the whole time, so I've seen yes. seen some of that too. I'm yes. um, like, you know, every everybody in your life now, you stay somewhat peripherally at least connected. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the ones I was aware of was uh, what was the name of it? It was Tupac. Oh yes, our very short-lived production of Holler If You Hear Me. And I have a friend who was in that one too. Uh, who was that? Josh Boone. Oh, Josh Boone. Yes, we're great yeah. friends. Yeah, I love Josh Boone. He's crazy crazy talented yeah I'm, I'm waiting to see him in the big screen because he is just a really really great actor so specific and meticulous and he's made for this industry yeah yeah absolutely and he's a nice guy and he's you know, a nice cool. guy he's a nice guy 
Um, but yes, we, we definitely worked on that project. Unfortunately, that did not last very long on Broadway. You know, sometimes I think there are projects that were developed way before its time. Yeah, I feel like that one, I, I didn't get to see that one. I would have wanted to. Um, but uh, I feel like for some reason that one, not knowing, you know, not having seen the show, but right. just knowing Tupac and knowing where we are right now. Yes. Um, I think like right now, that would have been probably, very necessary. Yeah. Exactly, because it was very political. Uh, it was, it talked about racism and talked about um, class structure in, in the community that you're built in. It talks about, um, you know, even the conflict within our own community as black people. Uh, it, it, it really touched upon a lot of issues, and unfortunately, it just didn't have the momentum that we really were hoping it would have, especially since we worked on the project, I believe, for three years prior to actually getting to Broadway. And that's a really hard thing to do when you work on something for so long, and then it finally gets to the place where you want it to be, and then it doesn't really hit. Uh, but I do believe that Kenny Leon and some of the other creative teams were actually able to take it to what I believe, I'm not sure if this is actually accurate, but I think they actually took that production to prisons. So that nice. way they can tell the story to inmates, mm-hmm. which was really cool. You know, so at least it has a voice or something and it carried on even after Broadway. So that's a great thing. It's uh, I kind of harp on it a lot, but um, some people, you know, there's like some debates over like Black Panther or whatever. Like some people kind of like the jaded view that some of my friends have within the black community is like, oh, well, you know, Disney this and blah, blah, blah. But the thing that I think is really important about Black Panther is actually like a black creative team being given the money. Cause also that's like another factor, like with a Broadway play, like if you don't have the, the big enough budget to support it, like to get its full legs, you know, it's like, then it's like either sink or swim. It's so true. Um, Whereas like, if you see like with Black Panther and I think right now there's like a major shifting happening Mm -hmm. where for some reason, studios are starting to invest more yes. um, in things, people that they haven't invested in. And there are people that are going to pay to like support that, like when when they know about it and when it's properly like promoted and everything. So absolutely. And there's something, too, about this generation of, you know, of the black community, like the young black artists. We finally feel this um, this surge and um, this ability to use our voice and to mm-hmm. use our creativity. I, I think of something about our generation is like we look at history and we're like, that really happened? That's crazy. You know, now what am I going to do to change it? And I think there's something about that that's really like revolutionizing the industry because we are given the platform to really use our voice. And that's something that I feel like maybe even generational, not many people may have felt like they had the opportunity to do that. And here we are in 2018 having this 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 importance and insurgence of like, let's do this. Let's tell stories and let's tell it the way that we want to tell them. And let's teach, not even just tell them, but teach, you know, so that we're teaching to get people to understand. And maybe if they understand, then maybe they can be some sort of change. And I think that's what's so revolutionizing about this whole industry right now. I mean, we have, you think of like Donald Glover. Yeah. I mean, what an amazing opportunity he's been able to really use his creativity, but his voice to tell stories. I got in a huge uh, debate over him recently, and somebody was showing me this like counter thing, and I'm not going to say which publication it was. <laughs> <laughs> Instruction. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. All right. There it goes. I'm not going to say what uh, publication it was just because I'm not going to give it a shout out. But basically, the article started off kind of basically it off the bat, like the thesis statement really irked me because mm. it was basically critiquing his blackness. And that really bothers me because that's. Someone upstairs doesn't want us to tell this story. <laughs> <laughs> They're what like, be that? quiet. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to. All right. So Donald Glover. Um, yeah, I guess like that was actually a question I had for you. Um, mm-hmm. The role in American Idiot. Was that specifically written for a black woman or was it, how was that? It was a very mystical character because she's supposed to be the, the the character itself was the dream of the main character, Tunny, because he's in the military and he starts to fantasize about the nurse that actually caters to him and, and nurses him back to health and and not even just physical health but like mental health you know because the military has stripped so much of his um i would say probably manhood um cuz he loses his leg in in the process of the of the war and so i would say that because of that i don't think that the character's race was specific but because it took place in Iraq, I was dressed in a burqa because we had a flying sequence. And that was part of the dream sequence of the show. I mean, of, of that particular number when we first meet. And uh, he starts to fantasize about her, but in a burqa. But I would say that is mainly because he is surrounded in this Iraqi war. Mm-hmm. And that's what he sees. So because I, I also know that my understudy was a white woman. And so it, it didn't really matter what race she was, but I would say that she represented all women because oftentimes our, you know, what society has implemented is that we're the care- caretakers, the, the nurses, the, the nurturers, the lovers, um, the, the person that actually brings strength and power into the man. And so for that reason, I would say it was not race specific. Nice. But, I, but because I am a black woman, I, I do believe that because I come with my own set of history yeah. and my own set of ideas and knowledge of how I've lived my life as a black woman, I can't say that hasn't influenced the way I work or the way I approach my work. Yeah. So I, I for me, it was important to my bring mother, yourself. To in. bring myself. Yeah. My mother has been in the military for 32 years. She's retired. And so that, for me, was very important, you know, what it was to be a black woman in the military or to be surrounded by military men. Um, and to know that you always had to stand your ground and actually prove yourself harder. So that a lot of that, that history was implemented as well in the character. Nice. Absolutely. And so about your background, mm-hmm. uh, where do you come from originally? I am from New York City. I thought so, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> I am. And it's it was a, I, I love it. I love New York. Um, I live in Manhattan right now. I've actually lived in Manhattan majority of my life. Uh, born well, born in Manhattan. Cause I went. I was born in Roosevelt Hospital, but I was kind of a hybrid growing up. So I went. I lived in the Bronx, but 
because my mother wasn't quite satisfied with the schools in our community, she made sure that we had our education in Manhattan. So technically, I was raised on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So I was surrounded by a lot of the Jewish community, Asian community, Spanish, and Black. My elementary school was definitely a melting pot as well as my junior high school, and then I also went to LaGuardia High School. So I've always been surrounded by a lot of diversity. And LaGuardia High School, that's the art school, right? Yes, that's the art school. Nice. Yeah, it's right on um, near Lincoln Center. Yeah. So when did you start um, acting and performing? I feel like it is something that was just part of the purpose. It's hard to explain when it actually started to happen. I think the question is for me, it's like, when did I start to tap into knowing that this is what I was supposed to do? And I've always known that I loved the arts. Uh, I used to watch a lot of movies and sometimes the same movies over and over again, like Sparkle and Little Shop of Horrors when I was really young. And I used to watch a lot of those movies on repeat. And what my mother would tell me was uh, replicate all the characters right in front of the television screen. So there was an appreciation for it. And I remember seeing shows growing up because, you know, that's the fortunate thing of growing up in New York City. But... Between going to LaGuardia High School and NYU Tisch, I've kind of, and also I I studied at um, Lee Strasberg School when I was eight years old, I kind of just, it's weird for me to to answer the question of when, because I think it's just always been a part of my particular journey and lifestyle. And it was nothing that my mother actually implemented and threw in my face and said, you had to do this. I think she saw something in me where I always gravitated towards the arts. And so she just kind of instilled that in me by showing me and giving me the experience of it. So that way I had some knowledge of what it was. Nice. Um, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, sure. you did... Uh... You did the television um, production, yes, the concert I with Je- yeah, Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, gosh, yes. And it was such a great experience. I was just talking about this yesterday. Uh, so we did Jesus Christ Superstar live with John Legend, Sarah Bareilles, Brandon Victor Dixon. It was – and Alice Cooper. Gosh, I, I can literally name the entire yeah. cast. That in itself was an amazing experience and a great way to start this year for me, especially since this is my um, Jesus year. I'm 33 years old. So I do believe that something about this year in 2018 felt like a resurrection for me because there were parts of myself in 2017 I actually gave up and felt like I buried and wanted to start anew or fresh and um, start this year with something really um, grounded. And I felt like this project definitely spoke to that purpose. And if I'm also not mistaken, tell me if I'm wrong here, sure. but um, I had a friend, um, he's like a veteran Broadway sound guy, and he was working on a show called Hand to God, I think. Hand to God, yes. Were you involved in? I wasn't. Were you I involved actually, in something? like? Hand to God. I'm trying to think what the, the connection would be. I unfortunately I've never actually seen the show yeah I didn't... and I'm trying to I'm not even sure if I remember who was actually in the show and that's oh no of course it was um who was um wasn't oh man oh Sean Sean um Patrick from um Will and Grace okay um yes yeah, Sean was definitely um I believe in hand to God I could be completely wrong um, don't quote me on that. Uh, but I'm trying to think of the connection. I don't think there is one that I can think of off the top of my head. I don't know. Maybe I just, you know, would see your name pop up. And for some reason, I thought it was in that one, too. Oh, yes. Well, I definitely was. So after American Idiot, I was in Baby It's You, which was the story about the Shirelles. And then after that, 
uh, it was Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. Okay. So I played Arachne, and then we had worked on some projects in between, went into... Is um, that one still running? Uh, the Spider-Man one? It isn't. But, yeah. you know, it had a good run, considering mm. all of the drama that was surrounded around the show. There were, like, some stunt issues or something? Yes, there were some things that were happening internally, and... Um, there, were, it's it's hard to speak on it because right. I didn't really experience it on a personal level, and all that stuff had actually happened before I even stepped into the show. The only thing that I actually experienced that um, was unusual is that I was like in the air for maybe fifteen minutes um, because there was like a glitch in the system, but there were no oh, wow. accidents. But that's something that would actually happen, I would say, in any normal show. But there was something about Spider Man because there were countless. Um, issues that were broadcast right um it just had this um this air about it as being that type of show but i have to be honest in general when you you as an artist when you put yourself in a production and so many things can happen yeah i've I've heard many injuries happening in in other shows but because it's not broadcast we don't know about it right but spider-man was definitely under the radar (laughs) yeah but it did pretty well considering all of the um, everything that it had gone through and a lot of what the um, the actors had gone through. They, you know, they the show actually had a pretty long run until it closed. Yeah. Um, so you've done a lot of Broadway and a lot of musicals. Um, yes. Is that your main thing? Like, what do you what do you want to do at this point? Well, it's interesting. Musical theater for me was always talking about purpose going back to that so when I when I went into all these several different art schools growing up between Lee Strasberg LaGuardia and then NYU Tisch I always primarily focused on acting because to me being an actor is important yeah you know when you're an artist and or at least learning the techniques of acting and so I just assumed that by being an acting student I would just be acting um, somewhere along the line, I was able to sing pretty well, too, uh, and didn't really know that I would be getting into the world of musical theater, but it kind of ha- happened by an accident. And there's a point in life when you're like, wow, so I'm doing musical theater, and as much as you want to be able to explore different things, uh, it's not that musical theater has brought me in. I believe that um, shows and opportunities have always presented itself to me. And I think through that, I always had to kind of follow that and just let the journey happen rather than try to negate it and control it and say, like, no, I just want to be on film and television. If the opportunities were there for me, I wanted to take advantage of them. And they were good opportunities. They were good roles, you know. And I think that there is something about choice that I'm learning now, you know, in my in my age where it's like I could still balance between music, be, doing musical theater, but allowing myself the freedom to audition and really attack film and television because that's something that I really want to do and something that I know that I'm good at but just haven't been haven't been able to really have the opportunity to get into the room because sometimes as a musical theater performer it is hard for the yeah, TV industry yeah. to really see you and understand the root of what you do um, in ter- or your contributions as a TV actor because they think you just sing, dance, and act. So I want to definitely be able to, like like many actors have been able to do that were in musical theater and now doing film and television, be able to break that line and show that we're more than just singers and dancers, that we're actors as well. Yeah. Um, 
you strike me as somebody who has a very clear point of view and probably also you like as an actor also are self-reflective. Yes. Um, do you write? Did a lot of work. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did a lot of work. That's good. <laughs> yes. Stay he- Stay healthy, you know? And, um, but I'm so happy you said it. Do I write? Yeah. That is something that a lot of people have asked me if I do. And I literally was having this conversation last night. I was actually in a room filled with writers. And I think it's such a big compliment when a writer can actually say to you, do you write? And I would love to write. And I believe that every time I think of a concept or an idea, I do think in terms of TV. Mm-hmm. Everything for me is very episodic. Right. Uh, and so the problem that I'm I'm discovering as an artist is that I have so many ideas, but I don't know how to articulate those ideas on the page. I can talk about the ideas. I can be very specific in the way that I explain the concept, but I cannot translate that on the page. And that to me has been very frustrating. And I'm sure I'm going to have to probably take a class, but you know, I, I there are a lot of people who are really great um, creators but don't know how to translate that on the page. And they have like an entire army of writers. So that's kind of ideal for me. <laughs> I mean, apparently Dr. Dre um, doesn't really play the instrument so much mm. um, and doesn't like he does his thing, but he also, he has the idea in his head and kind of dictates to his team. Right. Like what he, like he knows what he wants, um, but other people he's having, do some of the technique, you know, of the technique. And that's one type of producer. And then there's like other producers who are very, are composers, you know, we're all right. Multifaceted. So there's all, all different ways. Right. Um, but yeah, but I asked, cause I do think I'd be curious to hear, hear your stories that you have in there. Oh, you know? well, oh, honey, I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is that I, I feel like part of the reason why I even say that I have a lot because I have really chosen to live and I, I accept life in the way that it is, you know, with the ups and downs and turnarounds and with the, the, the happiness, the sadness, the sorrow, the pain, the, the glory, everything that life has well, life, let's just say, be honest, like life hasn't really done anything to me. But the way that I've experienced life, I do feel like this, I have like this armor and ready for anything. I feel this sense of ready because I think one of the, th- the attributes that I, I can say that I've experienced in my lifetime is that I've truly lived. I've truly lived. And I think that's important. Yeah. That's important as an artist. That's important as a human. That's important for all of us to be able to take ourselves through this life and understand its failures. And when you, when you experience failure, lean into it and find a way to flex that muscle and find strength in that. I I try to find that every single day, every single day. I I think about what can I do to make myself better than not even just yesterday, but a minute ago. Yeah. (laughs) I think, um, a lot of people actually is like what stops them from living is fear of failure. Yes. Um, and it's not like it is scary, but it's not as scary to me as not living. Right. You know? Right. And I, I think there's something we ha- we must take advantage of the life that we have. Um, I feel bad for those who live in a shell or live muted, uh, don't have the resilience and the and the courage to really live their life fully. And I think one of the strongest things that we can do is just face the things that scare us the most. So that way we can really find power in that. I think about humanity and how 
most of us look, meet a stranger and they start at zero. And that's ridiculous to me. Like, why can't you meet a stranger and start at 100%? Have that person start at 100%. Like, what are you afraid of? And I think we just have to be a little bit more courageous and allow ourselves to really experience life fully and not and not halfway. No, we, we don't need one foot out the door. What is that? What is that worth? Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, have you seen Black Mirror at all? I have. I love it. You know the one where everybody's rating each other? Yes. And we're kind of getting into that. And actually, China's kind of experimenting with that no as kidding. like a credit system where like your social interactions. <gasps> yes, also that are... was one of my favorite ones. And I talk about that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My take on it, it kind of piggybacks off of what you were just saying is there are people like you go to a restaurant or you go somewhere um, or you take an Uber and there are people who, you know, it's out of five stars. And so some people are like, well, I give four stars. You have to earn my five. And it's like, how, how about everybody start at five <laughs> and then you go down from there? Because are you earning like the question is, are, are you doing that extra thing that you're expecting everybody else to do for right. you? Right. And if not, how about like just let people be and like, you know, take people as they are. Right. You know. Right. I. I, not, I just not just what they do for you. I right. Guess. Well, that's funny because I literally just joined Instagram about four months ago. It was like end of February, and part of the reason why I didn't join originally is because I didn't like the idea of, um, living my my life by numbers. Right. And popularity and. And, and that's what I actually thought of Instagram to be. I didn't really understand what Instagram was. I, I thought that's what it was because when I was surrounded by friends or, or colleagues of mine, that's what they would talk about. It's like numbers. Mm -hmm. But now that I've joined Instagram, I've been able to kind of see that it's beyond the numbers, but it really is a platform to really show who you are. Like, I think the best thing about it are the stories. You know, you, you're, you have 15 seconds to kind of tell the universe what you are doing today or what you are thinking today or what you are feeling today. And I think that's a really beneficial platform because um, I would say, unlike Facebook, that definitely gives um, a, a little bit more um, of an opportunity for people to see that, especially up front and forward. And then it goes away <laughs> yeah. and you can start fresh the next day. Yeah. It's great. I really am enjoying it. At first, I was so judgmental of it. But uh, I have to say, I've, I've been finding a lot of fun with, with Instagram. Yeah, I, I think um, I'm kind of late to that party myself. <laughs> um, I have been on Facebook, and I've been trying to kind of change my relationship with that. Like, I think, as you said, like, they're platforms, and you can use them. Mm -hmm. um, there's a trap with them that you can get, like, if you get caught up in numbers and, like, you know what I mean? There's right. like a, a weird way it can like warp your view and your interaction with the world. And but. I think it also depends on how you use it too. Because I have to say, once upon a time when it came to social media, I wasn't crazy about it because I I, I like to be underground yeah. and really um, not incognito or Negro, but, <laughs> <laughs> but more of... I, I, I try not to divulge or be so associated with this very commercialized world. Right. You know, this very surfaced numbers game. You know, like I try not to divulge in that. I like to be very underground. Um, and maybe that's the, the New Yorker in me, like kind of like do things that are when everyone's going right, I'm going left kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but 
it got to a point where I would audition for shows and especially TV. And then I was asked in the room, what was my Instagram handle? And I didn't have one. And I was like, oh, we are in that world. We are in the world where people need to see you not only in the room, but like see how many people are into you, you know, because at the end of the day, you are selling a product when you're in their TV show. You are selling their TV show. So how many people are following you and believe in you or see or or, or understand your, your, your platform or whatever it is that you're representing? And, you know, how can we utilize that in our commercial world? Because we actually, unfortunately, are in a world that's so commercialized because people have to constantly sell, 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 sell. And I had a friend of mine tell me, like, you're you're so underground that you're almost burying yourself and you're an artist. So you have to take advantage of the platform of social media. Yeah. Like this is my first podcast. I've never done anything like this. And I'm, thank you for coming on. You <laughs> thank know. you. Thank you for asking. And, and thank you for trusting me too. Cause I, I know I haven't seen you in a while, but even just doing this now, I'm, I'm enjoying it just because, um, I feel like I have a lot of things to say and I feel um, a lot of things. I'm very sensitive and uh, it's nice to know that even this platform exists so that way you can actually reach out to your audience and teach them something. Yeah. Um, And it's It's nice. nice. Like for me, it's been nice kind of, it's like a grounding thing in a way. And it's also reconnecting with people and having conversations in a way that we don't really have. Like sometimes actors have them. But, you know, a lot of times it's other people's lines or it's like, you know what I mean? Right. But just having conversations face to face. Yes. We don't like we don't do that very often anymore because we're always on our phones. We're always on our phones. We're always distracted by something else. But the kind of the kind of conversation we are having, what I love about it being a podcast is that if we were over dinner, I'm sure we would have the same conversation. Right. And I think that's what's really cool about this platform. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Do you have any advice or insight on either, I would say, people like maybe, you know, young, kind of just out of college, just Mm -hmm. out of uh, high school, or um, somebody kind of uh, who is kind of feeling stuck, isn't living their full potential, Mm. and is kind of has an idea of what they want to do, but it's kind of in that, just kind of in the Fear place, I the guess. Fear place. Huh, well, let's see. I'm trying to think about the, th- the steps that I've taken because there's been many a times I'm like, oh, I'm going to retire. But I think the moments where I start thinking about that is when p- the opportunities are not really um, presenting itself to me because there's, there's a lot of downtime in our world of, of, of the arts. And so I would say that Surround yourself with people who are, are, who not only share the same sort of experience in, in career, but also have the same kind of goal-driven ambition in life, uh, who are constantly fighting to be better, to be stronger, to be smarter, to, to be more successful in whatever success means to you. Uh, surround yourself with people who take you higher. The moment you start to feel like someone is wearing you down, they do not need and deserve to be in your life. So with that being said, I say clean house. So that's number one. (laughs) (laughs) Clean house. Uh, Number two, I believe that health and wellness is super important. One of the things that I've done in the past couple of months, I stopped drinking for nine months. I just 
really like I've taken breaks, but I actually just yeah kind of and I'm I'm not sure like it might be like a really long stopping. time yeah yeah I I don't miss it and it's funny because it wasn't like oh I'm I'm gonna practice being you know um, well the so called word sober but I'm I'm just it started off for me was just like I'm not gonna drink for a week I'm not gonna drink for a month and now it's been nine months and I really honestly don't miss it but I bring it up because it was. Um, I would say something that was a part of my lifestyle. Like if I went out to dinner, I would have a glass of wine. If I was in a social setting, I would have a glass of whatever. And I think to strip that, or it's not just alcohol, but anything that you feel that might be a, um, not a detriment, maybe that's too strong of a word, but something that feels like a vice to you that you feel very dependent on that makes you feel better than who you are without it. I say strip that one thing away, whether it's like your favorite bag of chips, whether it's alcohol, whether it's what, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, take that one thing away and see how you survive without it. And um, try not to be so dependent on these on these things that are actually meant to alter and change the way we feel. Um, one of the things I, I've discovered in taking away alcohol is that I have more clarity. And socially... I feel more available mm-hmm. and raw. Like when I have conversations, I feel like I'm really listening rather than kind of listening. <laughs> right. But I feel very much um, involved in in the people that I'm with. And I'm really enjoying the time by myself. And I don't always have to have a glass of alcohol to kind of like fill in the the boredom or the void of being by myself. I can really enjoy a good book. I can really enjoy working out. And so health and wellness, I would say try to find ways to eat better, exercise, do something that keeps your mind and body balanced. Uh, so that's number two. Number three, There are a lot of artists in this world, a lot. And there are people who are doing it for reasons because someone told them they should do it. Uh, There are people who are doing it because they can't find another outlet. There are people who are really good at it and commit themselves fully. And I would say just really check in with yourself and, and try to understand and see what your life's purpose is because... Maybe part of the reason that you are feeling like you're failing in the arts is because maybe it's not really something you're supposed to do, you know? So I would say, like, allow yourself to, and this is, I, mean, I say feeling like you're failing, not that you're actually failing, but feeling like you're failing in the arts. Um, really check in with yourself and see what your life's purpose is. Um, allow yourself to kind of divulge in everything. And, um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's not being an actress, or an actor, maybe it's being a director, maybe it's being a writer, maybe it's being a lighting designer, who knows, costume. I have a lot of friends that I went to college with who were actors and now are in different fields in the industry and they love what they do. They love what they do. I have a friend who was an actor and is now a costume designer and has worked with Tarantino. And what's amazing now is that not only she was was she doing costume, but now she's starting to direct. Mm-hmm. So she keeps finding herself in areas where she's allowing herself the freedom and the flexibility to kind of search for the things that she wants to do. And I would just say keep yourself open and available and don't let this industry judge who you are. Don't let it um, make you second guess who you are. If anything, if a challenge comes, try to find a way to make that challenge um, better. And uh, so definitely that. Um, And then 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've answered all of them, but... I, I think that was pretty good. Yeah, you know, and, and don't be afraid to say no. <laughs> I think sometimes we get so afraid of, like, of... of, of not pleasing somebody? Not or? pleasing someone. Who cares? This is your life. You have the power to do what you want to do, you know, and... I think, yeah, I used to be a people pleaser and I still think it's as part of who I am, but I've been loving and enjoying the word no. If I don't want to do something, I don't do it because my self-care and what I do and how I represent myself is so much, it, it's, it's beneficial. It's much more beneficial to myself. And this is not to say be selfish, but you can be selfless and also selfish at the same time. There's a, there's a balance. Yeah. And I just say take ownership of who you are, allow yourself to have more integrity, own who you are, get to places on time, you know, things like that. Yeah. You know, just, um, just strive for your best life possible. If you want a good life, then design yourself around that lifestyle. Surround yourself with two people to take you higher. And, and, and as you're, as you're going up, find ways to, you know, take those people higher and distance yourself from those who bring you down. Oh, absolutely. You know? I I've had to clean house and I, I'm, I'm a woman of faith. I believe in God. And I was challenged this year because I prayed to, I prayed to God for all. I was like, anyone who's not meant to be in my life, please show them the exit. And so I started to see that happen, which was interesting. But then the most amazing thing is that, um, there were, um, there was, I noticed like energy or people that were coming into my life and I noticed they weren't necessarily going to walk out. So now I had to learn the lesson of walking away myself. And that's really hard to do. Yeah. I, I used to call that, um, something I, this is one thing I'll say I've learned. Like I learned younger was, uh, protect your circle. Yes. And like, so with that, it's like, there are people who, there are people you're going to come across who are not necessarily bringing you down, but aren't necessarily bringing you up either, but mm -hmm. they're like cool in one setting. Yes. And you can interact with them in that, but like keep it that and kind of know that and know, like just protect yeah. your circle. Your orbit. Yeah, exactly. Your orbit, because you have to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, we are in a world full of mental illness and, and a lot of people who are going through so much, they take on so much, you know, without the, uh, the outlet or the access to be able to release the things that, that really are bringing them down, you know? So it's very important that you take control of the life that you have and the life that you want. It's important because especially nowadays, the time that we are in, I mean, the many times I can walk down the street and I can see someone who is so clearly drug induced, you know, people who are sleeping on the ground and it's not homelessness. We're talking about people who walked out of their apartments and they, they took a hit of something and now they are sleeping on the ground because they are so induced with whatever drug or maybe it's not even a drug. Maybe it's something that's actually mentally, um, uh, chemically imbalanced. There is just so much sadness in this world. And it, I, I feel like it is our jobs to keep, 
to be a representation of, of goodness and, and giving and love and care and honesty and groundedness and try to reciprocate and, and kinetically um, inspire people around us. But we have to keep, it's almost like, you know, you can't really pull someone out of something that you don't want to be out of, you know, but you can be the representation of what that is and possibly be an inspiration. So I say take care of you and, and stand strong in who you are and maybe you can inspire the world or the people around you. Yeah. That's, I think what I was, that's one of the things I think I was trying to get at. I didn't know how to say it, but like with American Idiot, mm. when you get, to, especially when black people get to play roles that aren't specifically written for black people, of course we also want, like both things are good. I'm going to be right. wrong. But um, what's really good, I think for us sometimes is to have our full personalities represented because yes. I think that's what that's one of the shifts that's happening right now within our community is like Hollywood for a time like I think like it's really changing now it's not to say there weren't exceptions before mm -hmm. but kind of like if people were called in for projects it's sort of like yeah we want this guy and he's like you're not acting black can you be more black oh. and it's like that's um yes you know what I mean there's oh, a big yes. range and even like when you're talking different socioeconomic levels, whatever. Like when you're talking gangsters and street, there's geniuses mm -hmm. at all levels and of all people, like, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, so being the more people just in general um, are who they are. Cause I think that's, that's the, the thing that makes me sad. I feel is there's an element of our society that I think makes people feel that they're not right. Right. Um, and the answer on the advertisements is like, take this antidepressant, you know, are you feeling did it? And it's like some, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm against like medicine if it helps. Right. Um, but I feel like we're bombarded. Like the advertisements are designed to make you feel like you need something, like you're missing something that you have to buy. Exactly. In order to be something else like that's basically right. what it's telling you it's you know see and, and i think that's what kind of saddens me about the world that we live in because people are are so afraid to live authentically yeah you know to to live the truth of who they are to face the truth of who they are uh and i and i do believe that mental mental illness is a real thing oh yeah you know I, I I personally have not experienced that on a personal level. I have maybe one or two friends that I know that are um, are investigating whether you know whether they are victims of that. Um, but I will say that I think you know we gotta stop the idea of trying to live a picture perfect life. Right. And that's where I think social media sometimes can be a detriment. Yeah. Because you're seeing people literally paint the picture of what they want you to see, yeah. but you don't really know what they're actually personally experiencing. And so I feel like if we can stop living in a headspace of comparison, you know, and really tap into your own personal gift, because I do believe that every single person is gifted. I do believe that. Even that man on the street, you know, who is, you know, drug induced or, or you know, or dealing with some sort of mental illness. They, they are gifted with something. Mm -hmm. And so if we can just tap into that more rather than run away from it, then we can really start building a, a, a community of people who are rising up rather than breaking down. Yeah, I agree. 
Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard for people to tap into that, but I think it's important. It's important for us to face, to, to face ourselves, to look in the mirror and tell ourselves who do we want to be and what kind of influence do, do we want to have on this world? Like what kind of representation do you want to stand in? What kind of, you know, how do you want to represent yourself? What do you want to do to inspire? I think those are important questions we have to ask ourselves. Nice. And you have exciting things. You're busy right I now. Um, we can't <laughs> yes. talk specifically about anything. I don't know. And I just know it's exciting. So I'm excited, I'm excited. in general. I'm excited. Um, I am. I can say that I'm doing a show. <laughs> I'm doing a show. I start rehearsals in a month. And I would say it's something that I would be revisiting because I was part of um, a, a presentation workshop um, of it about three years ago, but it's a show that's currently on Broadway. And so for me, I'm really excited because I haven't been on Broadway in four years. And so that to me is extremely exciting. And especially now that I've been using the social media platform of Instagram, I'm excited to see how I utilize that now, you know, with a new show. Cause like I said before, I used to kind of like not be so active, but what can I do to like, just just gain momentum mm-hmm. gain momentum now that I'll I'll be in a in a, a space that I that I love so much I love I love Broadway I think it's such a great um, arena um, I believe I, the Tonys are this weekend which are really exciting but um, I'm it's funny I'm, I don't know how to talk about it without really right. talking about it but I'm very excited <laughs> I just, um, like over the last couple of years started auditioning. Actually, I haven't been auditioning, um, but I just started doing some projects again over the last couple of years. And like recently I'm starting to like audition again. Great. Um, and it's, I'm, I hope to keep this mindset because the other, just talking about building supportive communities, um, you know, there's like the thing where sometimes you feel like you're in competition with everybody else, yes. but really as an actor, you're not like, it's not about anybody else. You're not like, of course, different people are up for roles, but it's not like, you know, no two people can do the same. Like I, I'm not going to do the same audition as anybody else. Right. Like even at our best, it's going to be two different things. Exactly. Um, so when you start to think of it like that, I don't know, it makes it a much healthier, um, positive outlook on, on that world. Yes, you know? because you should be competing with yourself. Yeah. That is, the, that's the only person you should be competing with is yourself. And I have to constantly remind myself that do not compare because that person's journey is that person's journey. It is yeah. not your journey. And so stop comparing yourself and stay focused on your personal goal and journey. Because, because I'm a faith-based person, based person. What I believe is that sometimes we are so in control of the things that we want to have, that the things that we think we need, that we'll discover eventually because we've 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 negated what was actually probably built for us, but we're going after this one thing that may, might have not been part of the journey, but we we're we're going after that one thing that you might not actually find happiness and completion or or validity at the end of it, you know? And so that's why I say, keep yourself open, but like focus on the thing, like stay in touch with the self because the, t- the self will tell you everything that you want and need. And the process, I think. And the process. That's the other thing. Like you have to love 
the process. You even, have to love it because you ha- and you have to be very patient. Because that's all it is. Like even when you get to the like people think of everything as like you get to the other side of something. Like in every profession, and it's like no, like then then that's you know then you're doing whatever work you have to do for that. Unless you retire and do something else, right? It's you're constantly working right you know right absolutely you know and I think unfortunately about Kate Spade you know there's someone that posted something on Instagram about her having billions of dollars and unfortunately they still didn't give her happiness and I think sometimes we are chasing after a, a, a very false dream and we think that with the money and the fame that we'll have everything that we need but that might have not been the, your life's journey. You just went in that direction, mm-hmm. you know. And I also believe that your happiness should not be contingent upon anything. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be contingent upon the money, the fame, the the relationship, the the home that you have. Like, you should be I, – I right now feel the most happy in – and it's not contingent upon anything. I think I would still feel the way I fit, I would feel if I was walking around in a paper bag, you know, but it's only because I've done the work. Right. And I think that's what we have to keep forgetting that there is work that comes with this mind and this body that we possess because there's so many things and ailments that can actually deteriorate it. And starting with our food, starting with the things that we we put in our body, I mean, that is number one, you mm-hmm. know, and that saying we are what we eat. You know, we have to be very careful in how we nourish this mind. I've really come to believe, uh, like, food and nutrition is, like, key, key to, like, health. Key. Absolutely. I The way I see it is almost like... Um, like the body's a machine. Mm-hmm. So th- like the actual motor is the brain. And so like whatever I eat, and maybe I've become too anal about this sort of thing, but it's become second nature for me. But what I eat for me helps me function throughout the day. Yeah. gives me the certain vitamins and nutrients that I need in order to get through my day. So I'm, yeah, I am very careful with, with what I eat because there's a lot of, I mean, can I curse on this? Yeah. There's absolutely. a lot of shit yeah. <laughs> in the stuff that we eat. And I feel like if you don't take responsibility for what goes in your body, then you're going to actually suffer with the repercussions of what happens. Yeah. Like it's like drinking. I love drink. Like I love it at the time. Yes. I hate the hangover. Oh, and I've same. Come to loathe the hangover, and that's I think finally, it was. It's only been like a few weeks, but it was just finally like I was just like you know I've been thinking about this for a while, and I've taken little breaks here and there. Mm. I really like as I look back, I really don't think alcohol has ever been positive, other than fun. Yes. Sometimes I think it's I think the pros and cons of it. The cons at definitely at this point, I feel like it's the cons are outweighing the pros. Yes. And so then it's like, okay, you've been thinking about this for a while. (laughs) When are you going to like, now it's time to make a decision. Yes. If I want to like step up to the next, you know, if I want to step up right, just in general, that's like an easy thing that I can like cut out. Right. You know, and then I'm not looking back like in six months sort of like, okay, I've done, I'm happy with these aspects, but could I have done more? Could I have done worked harder mm-hmm. um, if I had been drinking less and like wasn't ever like, you know, because when you're hung over, you're not going to do your best work. No, you're going to be late to things. <laughs> you're going to be late to your to yourself. Also. Right to yourself. 
you know? Exactly. Then you then you try to take in the food to overcompensate the weight in, you know, in how and you And then feel. the junk food. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's not as severe as a hangover, but I definitely feel better when you have more energy to get through the day. Yes, yes. And this is not like, you know me definitely downplaying and dogging alcohol. Like I get it. Like I've a hundred percent, I've been there so much that I can, you know, that I can actually speak on the way that I understand about it now, you know? And yeah. I, I, I think that I've discovered, I don't even drink kombucha, you know, like it's so bizarre. Like I just, for me, I'm literally trying to rid myself of anything that felt like a poison yeah. to my spirit. Yeah. I feel you. And not even just to my body, but to my spirit. And not that kombucha is like, a, you know, but if I'm going to go no alcohol, I'm going to go all the way, you know, because I know that some kombucha actually has alcohol in it because of the fermentation. Right. But, um, but yeah, for me, it was like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this and is, you know, from a week to a month to now nine months, I'm going to go all the way and I'm going to see how this works for me. And it's interesting. Like I just don't miss it and I can have it surrounding, yeah. like surrounding me, you know, I can go to functions and not really feel like I need it. And that for me is like a completely different And that's experience. easier for, it's way easier for me to just not do it than to be around it and sort of be like, oh, well, I have one or two. You know, you're giving yourself little rules with it. Rules, it's yeah. easier for me. To it's go easier for me to be around it, like just not doing it at all. Right, um, right. Someone actually just told me recently that the reason they stopped drinking I thought it was so it's such a cool um, comparison. I was like, oh, that sounds like my, a little bit of my my experience. He was like, I felt like I felt like I was. Oh, what is what did he say? I felt like I wasn't my best. I, I think it was something simple as like I wasn't my best self. Yeah. I felt like I just wasn't my best self. Yeah. And or or it was like a like a downgrade for him some somewhere along the lines of that like not best self but also a downgrade like it depleted him yes of self-worth yeah and self um representation he felt like it just wasn't something that enhanced him but if anything made him smaller and i was like that's interesting because it, it sounds really psychological and you're like girl just get a beer down the block like it's not that deep but for some people when you're putting in that sort of mind altering um alcohol poison whatever you want to call it it does change for you me it, i think for me like what it does which is attractive at the time um is it numbs me mm-hmm. which isn't ultimately like if i want to be an artist like that's not yes. gonna help the art at all like yes. it's like you can still do things like there are plenty of artists that have for sure but i feel like Especially like with getting into like wanting to write and kind of like find my voice more. Right. That's not going to help. Yes. And you have to find the thing that doesn't really help you, you know, and that's when I go back to that thing about like taking away the things that are vices. Um, Like I, you know, it's funny, I'm not a huge smoker, but like even that, like I know a lot of people who smoke and they're brilliant at what they do. They can smoke and write an entire musical or play, write songs, you know, or perform eloquently, you know, but for me, all I can think about is eating and sleeping. Like it's not, a. (laughs) Yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't give me the thing that I need in order to, for me to always feel like I'm moving forward. The for jury's me, out on that one for me. Um, <laughs> right? I definitely know that between that and alcohol, like alcohol is the one that's like definite 
negative. Like right. the only like the only other thing that's been good sometimes is uh you know, the social lubricant, like if you're at some networking thing or something mm-hmm. where it's kind of, you know, it's it's just, it's awkward for everybody though. Right. Um, and then that's kind of a cheat. But the problem is another way to do it is, yeah, it's awkward going to those things. and But like, yeah, go sober. And right. if you do those types of things sober, like you, you get better at things when you do them, no matter what it is. Right. Like, it still might not be your main thing, but you'll get better doing you'll it. You'll get better. And I just had a meeting with my my agents right before I came here. And one of the most amazing things they could possibly ever say to me was, like, you seem different. You know, your energy just seems different. You seem more focused. You seem more calm. You feel, you seem ready. There's some, something about you that just seems different. And for me, that was the biggest compliment because... I have been working hard to get to a place like that. I, I was annoyed and tired of seeing my the girl that I want to be on the other side of the room. Mm-hmm. I was tired of seeing that. Like it's like I can see her right there. I'm like, Christina's right there, but why can't why don't I feel like I can get to her? Right. You know, why does she feel like more than arm's length? She feels far, far away. You know, and that's why I said there were things about myself I had to bury because I felt like it was a detriment to my progression. Um and so when I hear that, it reminds me of I believe the saying of like be the change you yep. want to see. One of my favorites. Yeah. Be the change you want to see. And that's important. Like you can't work. And also if you're going to change something, you have to identify when, when there's something wrong. You know, people talk about change and they're so um, afraid of change and they're like, oh, I don't need to change. They're like, you know, very reluctant to do it. But I think it's because the moment you decide you need to change something is when you are able to admit to yourself you've done something wrong. And the problem is that most people don't want to admit when they're wrong. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely ridiculous. One of the biggest things in, in growth and progression is to admit when you are wrong. Also failure. Like failure. Um, Will Smith, actually, like he's somebody actually, I think um, on Instagram, he's been doing a lot lately. I heard. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I've seen but some he, of it. Like one of them, I haven't seen all of them either, but like one of them was on failure. And mm. like, don't be afraid of, he's like, failure is how you, that's actually the that's the, the thing. That's the juice, yeah. You know? It's, that's the juice you want to drink. <laughs> like, uh, I've said this before, but like stand-up comics, the thing about that art form is it's all failure. Like you go out there, you tell jokes, people either laugh or they don't. Mm-hmm. And you have to be, go out there and... Every single stand-up comedian started with no material and went out there and got hopefully maybe some laughs and then also probably bombed a time or two or many. Absolutely. Um, But you you keep going. Like the failure doesn't kill you if you just keep going and learn from it. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's one of the hardest things to receive, but one of the truest blessings in our life's journey is to understand what it is to fail. You must, because we don't live in a cookie cutter world. And so not everything's going to be perfect. And so you have to find a way to like, just keep pushing through. Yeah. I think the only failure really, like the, the failures, you know, that happen, the wins and the losses or whatever, like to me, it's not a failure as long as you get up and get going again. Right. You know? Right. Like I think about like. It's a lesson. It's a lesson. Right. Like I think about last year and I felt like I had a very um, 
like in terms of my career, it felt very up and down mm. so much that I had to like pick up some odd jobs in order to live because I've been so lucky and blessed, uh, not luck. I've been blessed to have a career in musical theater and, you know, have done shows, some shows back to back. And it was a really great run. But then I was hit with that life of like, this isn't always going to be what it's going to be. So now you have to find a way to survive. Find out who you are and what it is the things that you want when you don't get what you want. And so I had to like learn that very harsh lesson. And through that, like there were some things that I turned down just because through that journey of figuring out what are the things that I want, I was I discovered that I it wasn't about another show for me. It was about the quality of work that I'm producing. So I turned down work just because, even if it was on, on Broadway, just because it happened to be a role or a type of role that I wasn't really interested in, and I would turn that down and actually go for a show that was out of town just because the quality of that particular character was something that I was seeking. That's good. So you have to take risks. Yeah. That's another thing. Risk-taking is important. You have to be able to just... Know who you are, know what you want, and through that, be able to take risks. I I remember there was one time I turned down a show, and I knew by turning it down, I wasn't going to earn just three weeks of health insurance. I've always had my health insurance for nine years straight. I was very diligent and consistent about having it. And then this, I think it was actually two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I was presented with not really working that much, picking up a lot of odd jobs and knowing that my health insurance was at risk. And I had to pick up three weeks of a, of a show in order to earn it for the rest of the year. Well, I ended up turning down that show because it wasn't the role that I wanted. And I lost my health insurance for like three months, but which some people may say like, that's really stupid. But for me, it told me who I was mm-hmm. and it told me that I'm willing to do anything to build the career that I deserve to have because I put in my time. And with that, I'm not going to give up and just choose something that feels like it's a job. I want a career. So if it means that I have to risk my health insurance for three months, then I'm just going to have to do it and trust that work is coming. And ultimately, with that sort of failure, I guess you can call it, I've, I, I flexed a muscle and was given an opportunity to earn my, my weeks with a show that I actually really wanted to do. But it took me three months to get there, maybe even four. Yeah. You know, it, it, was, it was a risk because God forbid something could have happened to me, but nothing didn't because I stayed focused on the, on the goal. And the goal was to get a, a role that I wanted. Nice. Yeah. Um, you have, you have stuff you have to get back to. Um, yes. Uh, I'd love to talk to you again down the line. Yeah, um, absolutely. This is, I think, was really good, though. Um, yeah. Do you have any final things you want to talk about or anything? Uh, wow, I th- we covered so much. Yeah. You know, um, just one thing for the black community in general. Um, I'm proud of us, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the work we've produced so far, and I look forward to the produce that the, the work that we're producing. I, I encourage a lot of us to um, really tap into our truth, really own who we are, really own our history, and 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 be creative and start sharing the stories authentically. And with that in mind, also, you know, any other race, I, I say just tap into, you know, whether you're white, 
Indian, Chinese, doesn't matter what race you are, really tap into your, your, your truth and, and the truth of your history and really start telling stories with the intention to, to revolutionize humanity and, and teach us something that we don't know. So that way we can actually see that we're very similar in the, in the desire to want change. So yeah, I think, I think that's very much it. I, I, and, and, and don't be afraid to be you because you're the only representation of that. You're the only one who can be you. So be yourself fully, vibrantly, boldly, just really enjoy life to its fullest. And that's it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Christina Saju. I had a great time talking with her, great time catching up. Like I said, I'm a big fan. Um, I am super inspired by everything she's doing and rooting for her to keep doing more. And I'd love to work with her someday on something. And um, yeah, I'm actually working on a project right now. I'm not ready to talk about it just yet, other than to say I'm working on that and some things. Um, and I hope you keep working on whatever it is you want to do and take care of yourself. Uh, don't get down on all the chaos happening. Uh, just be up on yourself. Do your thing. Uh, be kind to others. You know, this will help you in every facet, aspect, and category of your life. Um, yeah. I hope you do well. I wish you the best. Keep Keep going forward. And keep coming back here. If you like it, subscribe, share, rate, review. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We're on everywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, the Bushwick Variety Show every Monday and Thursday. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I do have shirts available now. Uh, and the website will be more, le- more fully developed soon. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Take care. Peace. you free.